In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Good News for the City, the broadcast radio ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC. As I say just about every week, my name is still Brian Bales, and I still have the privilege of talking to you about the most important thing that we can ever talk about, and that is the truth of the gospel and how the good news of the gospel makes a way in our life. And it makes a way in our life, whether we're right here on the radio, where you're listening on podcast. Whether you're at work, wherever you're working at, or you're at home, or I'm at my home, or where I work at Christian Fellowship Church as the lead pastor in Ashburn, Virginia, it is always the gospel. And today, I, I want to read to you, like I often do at the top of the show, a section of scripture. It comes from the book of Proverbs chapter 11. This is what it says in verse 24 and verse 25. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. You know, one of the topics that we don't like to talk a lot about, but we think a lot about, is money. But believe it or not, the Bible doesn't have any problems talking about it. In fact, there are over 2,000 verses about wealth and how we steward it and how we use it and how it should influence and affect our lives. And it's easy to hear passages like this from Proverbs and automatically begin to associate it with just one way of being stewards of the resources God's given us, and that's giving to a church or giving to a foundation or giving to a nonprofit. But what, just what if, if we expanded that view just a little bit more to see it through being a steward in the business world? You see, because God created the business world just like he created the church world. So I ask you to join us today as we talk about a concept known as angel investing, a practice that can bring blessing by having people or corporations or organizations partner with other people or corporations or organizations that are faith-driven in their entrepreneurship so they steward capital for the kingdom to make a difference. And so here to talk about it today on the other end of the line for us is Patrick Farrell. Patrick, thanks for joining me today. And thanks for giving me, I'm going to imagine a little bit of education about thinking about resources in a more expansive way. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be on here. I uh, I grew up in the area and um, remember my mom listening to WAVA when I was young. And mm-hmm. uh, so it's kind of cool to be able to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, hopefully you'll still think that at the end of this show, but I'm <laughs> glad we started that way. You know, you're the co-founder of Potomac Angel Capital. And what that is, is just a network based in the D.C. area that invests specifically in early stage mission focused entrepreneurs from not just in this area, but around the globe. You're the executive director and you're responsible for the strategy and operations of the network, including deal flow, events, and diligence. Uh, but you're also the founder of Keystone Collective, where he, you serve as an entrepreneur and you serve entrepreneurs as a consultant advising your clients and preparing for investment and executing on fundraising opportunities. This isn't the first opportunity you've had to be in a startup business 
We could talk about your pre-revenue and executive team experience at Nehemiah Securities and other mm-hmm. things, but we just want the people to know you're not coming at this from a vacuum. You have some background, you have some experience, you have some education, double major Vanderbilt University in human and organizational development and in economics, uh, where you attended on a, I'm sure your parents very happy, full tuition dean's academic scholarship, but that's for another time <laughs> in that way. So let's just kind of talk about it. People can't see you on the other line, but they can hear you. And uh, you're not young from the sense of you know early 20s or that sort of stuff, but for many people, you might still be called in the first third of your career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for those of us who are starting to get to the back third of our career, that seemed like yesterday, but it's not. And, and so for you in this first third of your career, becoming interested in investing is an interesting story. How did that come about for you? How did God guide you into this place and this step where you yourself would have to be an entrepreneur and to step out and co-found an investing network that is known as Potomac Angel Capital? Yeah, sure. So I started my career in consulting at Booz Allen here locally, um, big corporate environment, learned a ton, but then was recruited out to a cybersecurity startup called Nehemiah Security. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I was part of the founding team there. And we had a wealthy family office that was backing the venture. Mm-hmm. And so I joined as the director of corporate development and we had a growth by acquisition strategy. So we acquired companies to kind of build a foundation uh, and so that's where I got my kind of deal making and investing bug and, and acquiring companies there. Subsequently, um, once we had those companies in house, we had to integrate them and then scale that business up. And so uh, I, I combined roles with the director of operations where I was handling everything from internal processes, systems, recruiting, legal. And on that side, I really got the startup bug. So uh, that experience really kind of led me for a passion for entrepreneurship and a passion for investing. And when that business sold in August of 2020, middle of the pandemic, pretty good individual financial situation, um, uh, I just decided it was time to take a risk. So that's when I started Keystone, started consulting with early stage founders. And then I realized that the best way to support founders is through investors and through capital. Uh, especially in the very early stages when all founder can care about really is selling more customers or um, or finding capital to be able to continue running the business. And so that was kind of uh, alongside all of those things was a pretty profound heart change that Jesus was producing in me, especially during my time at Nehemiah that really reinvigorated my faith and deepened my relationship with him. And so Potomac is kind of a, a confluence of all of those things together. Um, and that's how we how we got here today. Yeah, so let's let's talk about this concept of angel investing. So depending upon your background and your experience and what you may or may not know, you may know exactly what that is. We've actually talked about it at some point just a couple of weeks ago when we had Dana Wichterman on talking about this concept, but it's also possible we're getting around that Christmas season that when you think angels, you think Clarence and you think, you know, it's a wonderful life and every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. All right, so let's dig into that. When you say angel investing, what are they? And then specifically, what role do they play then in investing into communities specifically that you are looking in to grow? Yeah, sure. So um, angels, invest, yeah, as you said, they, they really have nothing to do with the spiritual being, beings that we see in the Bible or scripture. And, and nor do you have to be Christian to be an angel investor. So I wanted to get those uh, misconceptions mm-hmm. out of the way up front. Um, the term was actually um, created by a, a researcher who in the 1970s was going and researching how Broadway plays and musicals were being funded. And he called their, the, the people doing it angels. And mm. so um, that your typical angel is somebody who's 
it was really just investing in, in early stage ventures, um, often that are more risky than what you'd see from institutional capital or from, from a, or too risky to get a, go get a bank loan. Um, and so your typical angel has been, been blessed with wealth. Um, they, they are often successfully professionally or as entrepreneurs themselves. And there's a definition that the actually United States Securities and Exchange Commission has for a quote unquote accredited investor. We won't get into that today, but generally they're accredited as well. Um, and to your question about, about what role do they play in, in investing in the community, they're really vital. As I said, a lot of these ventures that are going to create a lot of societal change or advancement are too risky for typical sources of capital. And so what ends up happening is that these angels come in and they invest in these businesses and allow them an opportunity to grow, create traction so that they can get to the point where they can then take on institutional sources of capital. So they're really a lifeblood of any sort of innovative entrepreneurial economy. You know, as you share what an angel investor it is, it really struck me that it fills this gap that often exists in getting certain things to market or getting certain things to make a difference. It reminds me back at the beginning of a career, a lot of people would want to get into a job and it would say experience necessary. And if all the jobs require experience necessary to get that job, how does someone get experience is sort of this catch 22 scenario. And it seems as if there's maybe a lot of people out there with wonderful, very effective great business plans or whatever it might be, but the risk factor is high. And it seems as if the people who are now designated as angel investors have this opportunity to come alongside differently, clearly, than maybe what a traditional investment group would or a bank. Now, as a faith-driven investor, and so that's specifically now we're taking this idea of angel investors that could be anyone, believer or not believer, but now talk about someone who thinks about angel investing through the lens of moving the kingdom forward through the lens of being a good steward of what God has provided. And, and when we talked to Dana before, this doesn't mean that someone's investing to lose money. There's still value in it to gain resources for them. What sort of challenges or what sort of changes rather in thought have you begun to see about people who are now getting involved and they desire to pursue angel investing? And talk specifically maybe about how this actually can help us make or help the gospel make a way in ways that we didn't think about before. Yeah, sure. So I think for, for a very long time, and, and, and a lot of people are familiar with this, the church has sort of avoided the conversation of vocation and faith. Mm-hmm. Um, that's changed a lot recently. But for, for the longest of time, the, the conversation to those in the marketplace was go out, make a lot of money and, and give your tithe to the church, to the people who are doing the real work or the real ministry. And now I think there's been a renaissance in that where a lot of folks are, are thinking differently. And there's been a lot more conversation and theology around faith and work. Um, but Really, that, that so there's this increased desire to figure out how God in, intersects with us and how we can partner with Him in our vocation. At the same time, another problem is that the long term sustainability of nonprofits is becoming increasingly at risk. As you know, as a pastor for your church, you have to fundraise every year, and that can be really determinant on external forces that are out of your control, like market volatility. Or, um, I've heard a statistic recently that that for many churches. of the giving is tied up in one or two or maybe three high net worth individuals. So if that person ends up leaving, ends up going somewhere else, it can be really, really difficult for the church. Well, I think there's certainly something that you're highlighting for anyone who's listening, who's involved in nonprofit ministry, whether it's church or parachurch or some other type, is that whenever you go through, like, for example, a possible recession or what might be on the horizon or inflation, whatever it might be, 
in most of those charitable organizations, needs go up and resources to provide for those needs go down. And so there is certainly a gap that you're talking about that maybe others could step in, not just for a local church, but in other ways and, and fill that, correct? That's exactly what I'm talking about. And I think I think the renaissance of thought really comes down to what if we could have a mission-driven business that was sustained mm-hmm. by its profits? The thought would be that you might be able to have more impact for a longer period of time and produce more financial returns for the community as well. So it's like a both and. And mm-hmm. I think that that's been really in lockstep with the rise of ESG or impact investing, environmental social governance uh, in the secular world about uh, around these things. But as it relates to a faith-driven investor, let's take it a step further and say, well, what does it look like for our investments to further the kingdom? Um, there's a lot of overlap with those secular categories, but what does it look like to invest in maybe Christian entrepreneurs who are creating cultures that are God-honoring? of focusing on some sort of spiritual impact, which I know we might be able to talk about a little bit later. And then if there's a return from this investment, we can either reinvest it in more businesses that are having impact, give it to the church, support our family or, or enjoy it. So there's just more, more capital at the table for um, spiritual impact at the end of the day. I think that's been the, the biggest change in the marketplace. And I think it's a wonderful reminder of the both and not the either or, because we can tend to be people that are either or either local church, or business, it's like both and, because I I think that when we do the either or approach, we can fall into this trap of secular and sacred. And there's no such thing. It's calling and following calling. And, and, and I'm sure as I can see you nod, other people can't, we're on the same page on that. And, and that's the heartbeat behind this. What has God given for us to live out for his kingdom in whatever sphere he's placing us. Now, for some people though, they may get really like, oh, I can only think of these sort of spheres. This could work. Can you just give a couple of quick examples of types of companies or even activities or investors are getting involved with? Yeah, sure. So if I can create a little illustration, that's really helpful. Imagine an X and a Y axis and on the X axis, you have financial gain. And on the Y axis, you have spiritual or social gain. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go to that top right quadrant, high financial, high, high impact, everyone wants to invest there, right? That's, that's, sure. a, that's a win in a bunch of categories. But there's also investments that sit in that sort of top left category, which is high impact, lower social gain. And there's a, a, a great feature of an investor called Greg Lernahan who calls that spirit-led. So how do we follow our passions or where God is leading us to invest in those businesses, even if there might not be much of a financial return? And so there's a lot of examples of this. A couple here locally, one is called Sapphire. It's actually my business partner at Potomac Angel Capital um, helped found this company. And it's, and it's a car battery that, that doesn't explode when it gets in an, into a collision. Now, it's very simple, but there's a huge social benefit to cars not exploding. I would agree. Yes. Yeah. And there's a massive financial upside in that business. So that would be in the top right category. Um, Our our, uh, angel network also invested in a company called Hybrid Social Solutions. It's a little bit different. That's probably going to be more top left category that basically created a last mile supply chain in the Philippines to deliver energy to rural poor. So there's a huge impact of these, these people that are getting power for the first time and how it's changing their lives and their education, and their work, their health. Um, but that business obviously, obviously has a lot, lot more risks and may not be as financially, has the most financial upside as the battery. Both of those are kind of sort of activities that we're investing in. And last but not least, I'd be remiss not to mention business as a mission. So there's a lot of folks who are investing in businesses that are going into uh, hard to reach countries or places that haven't been reached with the gospel and creating cultures, a godly culture, finding employees, loving on them and then sharing the gospel in new ways. 
what I hear you doing is broadening the definition of successful investment. There's certainly a, a very clear successful investment, that top right corner. And for those of us that still struggle with math, X, Y axis, I had to write it down for me just to visualize <laughs> it. Uh, but there's a clear definite. But what you're saying is when we're listening to God and his leading, when he calls us into the obedience into those areas is what makes it successful. And sometimes it just the return, this side of eternity may look a little less, but it's still con. Is that fair to say? That's absolutely fair to say. Yeah. And it depends on the profile of the business too. And so a lot yeah. of these angel investors are creating a portfolio that kind of runs the gambit in all the type of businesses that we talked about. Yeah. And you talk about business's mission too. Is that when we're talking about how companies integrate spiritual impact into their, their business plans or their employees, their company's mission and vision? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So I think um, typically, well, so from my perspective, a company can be having spiritual impact just by loving on its employees, right? So mm-hmm. I just want to encourage anybody listening, like, like you can be having spiritual impact in your business, even if you're not your typical sort of spiritual impact company that we're going to talk about. Um, and, and you can be, even as an employee in that business, you can be having some sort of spiritual impact. So that, that is a kind of a nebulous topic. But I think often when we talk about spiritual impact, we talk about um, a, a company that's trying to solve a challenge with church planning, discipleship. Um, Bible translation, something along those lines. And so I think, I think when you think about spiritual impact, you can think about it in one of two ways or business's mission in one of two ways. One, uh, on the internal side, you, you, you're just creating a culture that's loving on employees and opening up opportunities to share the gospel. On the external side, you're really looking at um, more of what we talk about when we talk about business as mission. Um, businesses that are going in and, and to explicitly have a mission of, of sharing the gospel or businesses that are creating a profit or creating a product that's God honoring and then giving that product or giving that profit away to a nonprofit who's meeting a need. Um, uh, so th- that's kind of the spectrum when it comes to spiritual impact and businesses mission, it can mean a lot of different things. That's kind of how I see it in the market right now. Yeah. So I want to go back. I mentioned to you off show that a couple of weeks ago, and I just mentioned a couple of seconds ago, we had on the show, Dana Wichterman. And I asked her this question, I'm going to kind of pose it to you as well. I asked her just specifically, what are some of the the challenges, I guess, that people who get into faith-driven entrepreneurship, angel investing, those types of things, face specifically, um, not just in the business world, but also in the world that we would call the spiritual world, the church world, and those sort of things. And so I kind of frame it to you this way. Uh, what do you see occurring in faith-driven investing, particularly with churches, how they can be overcome? Because she had some really good insight that you might add on to, agree, or whatever it might be, when she said, in many cases, it's an education point for the local church to say, this isn't second-class stewardship. This mm-hmm. isn't just go make money to turn around and write a check for the people that are doing the real ministry, but it's ministry in itself. Is that a challenge you've stumbled into? If not, fine. What are some of those challenges that you see? Yeah, I would, I would certainly agree with with Dana on that. I think it's important to to, to say that none of the conversation around faith-driven investing replaces God's heart for generosity. Um, he's got a heart for the poor, leaving the corners of the field for the poor and the destitute, um, and understanding that all our wealth is His and ours to steward. Um, so ultimately, any sort of investing that's 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 driven by a capitalistic mindset or self-advancing mindset is not going to honor the Lord. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, so when we, if we frame it that way, and then we look at the church and some of the intersections there, um, how we distribute our wealth 
and where we're going with our, you know, tithe or our investments or our, our donations is really between the person and God. And there's becoming this blending as we talked about of like, well, my, what if my charitable capital can be used for more than just my tithe and better impact. And so what this is forcing is a little bit of tension between the church, right? Because as a pastor, you know that like you, you need certain amount of financing in order to continue your ministry. And you're, and, and so what I find is a lot of pastors are a little bit afraid of leaning into this space because they think that some of those resources are going to be taken from them and placed somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But so I'd like to kind of address that here first and foremost for pastors and ministry professionals. I think that this sort of investing really grows the pot. Um, church leaders shouldn't be scared of it because if we do this well, the kingdom's going to advance in new and impactful ways, which is what we all want. Right. Um, the church is going to be able to focus on less that it has to, to, to accomplish because businesses are going to accomplish some of those things. There's going to be more money in the hands of believers. And then I also think that um, there will always be pockets of impact that needs to be addressed by nonprofits and church ministries. As much as I like to think that redemptive entrepreneurship is the solution to every problem, there are problems that, that businesses will struggle to solve, at least as of today. And I think the church can really fill a lot of those gaps. Um, and then lastly, for pastors, if you can lean into this, you can potentially create a more sustainable ministry by augmenting your ministry with business. So I think this tension I see with churches is really along the lines of how do we kind of distribute the capital that we've been getting, given in a God-honoring way to support the church and support this kind of new thing. And I think it, it's going to take pastors and, and others kind of leaning into this space and, and being okay with that tension. And there's so much wonderful things you said there. I love your, your point of if you're leading with a capitalistic mindset, because cap, there's nothing wrong with capitalism. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. We're blessed by it. But that's not the mindset that leads us. We're led by a kingdom mindset first, which might use capitalistic means, but getting those in the right order matters. I also want to just highlight the fact that, you know, I think where local church leaders, and I'm one at Christian Fellowship Church, can often get off on this and, and get on the wrong track is we begin to think of the church as an organization and not as people. It's not an organization, it's people. And when we begin to create those false categories, like you're giving to an organization, which is really what we're saying, versus you're making kingdom work as the church, I think we can really miss that. So it requires us to embrace these things that you're talking about and think of them in a more holistic, theological, correct way. And so thanks for that. You know, um, you know, our last minute or so, uh, how can people learn more about getting involved from angel investing, whether it's from you, which you can go to Potomac, PotomacAngelCapital.com. P-O-T-O-M-A-C, angel, capital, C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com or other ways. Yeah. So uh, I think obviously we're Potomac Angel Capital is a group of um, investors investing in mission-driven businesses around the globe. Um, we have some investors who are experienced, others who are just learning. So um, we're there's no minimal level of experience. Um, we can teach you that if you're interested. We just require a heart to learn and serve God with your finances. Quick caveat, we are a group of accredited investors. So that's mm-hmm. something we can we can touch on if you're interested. Um, Dana was on a few weeks ago. Faith Driven Entrepreneur and Faith Driven Investor are fantastic organizations. I'm, I, I help Dana on that front as well. Um, business-minded professionals that are interested in, in this subject. That's a really easy way to get plugged into this community. Um, and if you're not local or you, you happen to be listening to this, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to connect you with other groups nationally around the world that are getting into this space. And lastly, on a secular front, uh, the Angel Capital Association is a nonprofit of all angel angel groups in the United States, and they have a bunch of resources and trainings and more information on that front as well. Oh, that was super helpful, especially the part where you're talking about you're willing to help teach people. 
Because there's sometimes people come into physical resources, not because they have been an investor and figured it out before they reach angel capital. Maybe God has blessed them with an inheritance. Maybe God has blessed them with that sort of thing. And they want to use that beyond just what's right in front of them to make a difference, that there are places they can go and learn how to use it at a greater level. So, Patrick, I've deeply enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for taking time out of your day to come in and to help me understand a deeper level. And of course, help our listeners. And so again, for our listeners today, if you would like to get a hold of Patrick, certainly you can go to potomacangelcapital.com or you can email him patrick at potomacangelcapital.com. He made it really easiest for us to remember. Do that, check out the website, ask him some questions and learn how you can make a difference. And of course, if you have any questions about the show that you'd like to talk about with Weva, you can send an email to comment at wava.com. Or for some reason, you want to talk to me personally, happy to talk to you. You can call me at Christian Fellowship Church here in Ashburn. I can be reached at 703-729-3900. Whew, so much to take in today. But at the end of the day, our reminder is our work, our things that we do are to be led by God in our life. And then as we obey, as he calls us to invest or whatever he calls us to do this side of eternity, we remember as always, it's not us that makes the way, but it's the gospel that does make the way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of Good News for the City, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.